The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Well, now, as the winds of change sweep across our country and lots of yellow warnings and orange warnings and red warnings about this and that, the globally renowned Parscourt Gardens, ranked third best in the world by National Geographic, are leading the charge in adapting to climate change. Now, with me in studio is Alex Slazinger, head gardener of the Parscourt Estate, a man with a forward-thinking philosophy, but one which is deeply rooted in the past. Uh, Alex, good morning and welcome. Thank you very much, Pat. Thanks for having me. 200 years ago... um, Powers Court actually was future-proofing then, wasn't it? It was. You know, the the Wingfield family, that was the family that was before my family, um, they were really ahead of their time. They knew that the, the climate was changing and they wanted to select species that would work. And we've seen the results of that. So the species that we have in the gardens have done well. Um, However, we're at a really crucial point now, and I think it's really topical with uh, sustainability. We're actually certified as Ireland's first visitor attraction that's sustainable. Uh, And that's changing the way that we think, you know, so it's changing. I'm looking into the future. I'm not looking 10 years. I'm looking 100, 200 years. But I mean, that is uh, true of any uh, person who plants a tree. They're not planting it to sit in its shade themselves. It's Maybe their children or grandchildren will sit in the shade of that tree. No, you're absolutely right. And that I think that's the joy of gardening. You know, it's not selfish. It's, it's You're doing stuff for the future, for the next generation. But we want them to appreciate it. And our climate is changing. You know, it's, it's gradually changing. Actually, the last storm that we had caught, uh, caught us off guard because it was an easterly wind. You know, our prevailing wind is southwesterly. And what we've noticed after the last couple of years is that's starting to change. So established trees now have their roots to prepare themselves for a southwesterly wind. And they're going to, you know, they're going to get caught out because the easterly winds will come. So you hope that the storms aren't too strong initially so that the trees can adjust their root systems to give themselves protection. Exactly. So they've got to adapt. And I think that, that word adapt and evolve is uh, what's going to happen to gardens. Now, we had uh, Dutch elm disease. We now have a disease that's affecting Irish ash. Um, We made a mistake I think we did. Yeah, you know, we haven't been on this planet that long. Plants have. So they've dealt with this before. They've, they've, They've gone around the planet for millions of years. And the the disease that you're talking about on, on ash is Chilarifraxinus. They've noticed, we've noticed already certain offspring from those trees are becoming resistant. You okay. Know. So nature does fix itself. So Sometimes it's like a humankind that uh, some sort of immunity may be passed exactly. on from the parent yes. to the child. Yeah, exactly. So if you've got ash trees, leave them. <laughs> Leave them them be. Leave them be. Can they, uh, by their offspring, what blows on the wind, can they infect otherwise healthy ash trees? That's the worry that people would have. It is is the worry, but, um, you know, we we don't want to lose the ash tree. We want a a resistant variety. It may take hundreds of years, um, but this is gardening. And you're you're a keen gardener. It's patience. Now, um, the move from monoculture to polyculture, what is that imperative? So basically, monoculture is one approach, you know, one approach at one crop. Polyculture, poly in Latin is many. So we need to have many different approaches, you know, many different attacks of plan, a plan of attack. And what that is, that brings it back to sustainability. 
I've got a really good crew of gardeners up in Powers Court. We're really forward thinking and uh, we meet regularly and we chat about this and we talk about what can we do differently? How do we reduce pesticides, fungicides? What else? What other options is there? And there is. Nature has uh, a solution for every problem. So we actually just have to look into the past. We have to look at our ancestors and see how did they do it? They didn't have fungicides. For instance, you know, black spot on roses. We spray fungicides for that. You can plant salvias instead, and that will combat that. So it's called... Really? Having a salvia nearby? So it's a a term we use in horticulture called IPM, Integrated Pest Management. And it's using other plants as companion plants to, to help each other. Now, uh, we have uh, near us and uh, we don't notice them really until the wind blows hard. And that's uh, eucalyptus trees. Yes. And they wave in the wind and you would fear that they will snap, but they never do. Absolutely. We've got a huge run in Powell Square. Every storm you stand under, you think this is going to go. But they're designed to withstand that. So they will bend in the wind. And that is, you know, talking about the eucalyptus uh, for the next couple of years, I'm looking at different species of trees that we're going to plant. And one of the ones that keep cropping up are eucalyptus, uh, Chilean plants like uh, Nuthophagus, which is the southern beech, is going to do really well in our climate. Ericarias, monkey puzzle trees. Uh, They're going to be really significant and actually good for biodiversity as well. Red squirrels love the the fruits. And what about the grey? Well, the greys do too, but it's uh-huh. biodiversity. One of the things know? I learned about the grey is that the grey can eat uh, the fruits of, of whatever it is sooner yes. than the red. The red yes. likes them to be maybe softer and more that's, ripe. No, that's and true. And the grey will gobble anything. But you see, the grey didn't have a, a predator. We've now got pine martens and um, minks. They can take care of them. So I think the thing is, is we need to get back to an equilibrium. Uh, in 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 gardens, we need to be have a wide, diverse range of species in our gardens that can look after each other. Mm. What about non-native species? You mentioned uh, yeah. chili there, and there seems to be a view that when you bring something in from outside, you never know really what mm. the effect will be. Giant hogweed as a decorative plant becomes a terrible thing. Yeah, absolutely. And look, we've made mistakes in the past, but we're at the the. Science is now at a time where we can we can check these things, you know, so plans can get checked. They go through rigorous uh, tests and that goes over a number of years before they come in. So we're kind of we're OK. The I would definitely say native species. Absolutely. One hundred percent plant. They're fantastic. Likes of oak and Scots pine. Absolutely fantastic. Keep planting them, but diversify as well. We can plant non-native I'm talking in 200, 300 years time, our native species of insects and animals will adapt to those trees. You know, trees have moved around the planet, like I said, for millions of years, and they'll continue to do so. Um, And, you know, you want a diverse rate. You don't want to just plant the same things uh, all the time. And places like Powers Court, I see as a conservation site. So I mean, you are surrounded on the Dublin and Wicklow Mountains by Sitka spruce. Yes. And actually that they're going to start. um, They're not going to we're not going to be planting Sitka spruce anymore. So certain things like that. There's an aphid coming in. Douglas fir is going to be a fantastic forestry tree. And also with forests, it's it's, uh, you know, not just planting the one crop, planting in different three or four different species. Uh, If you've ever walked in a spruce forest, 
there's not much noise, there's no. not much activity. You come out of that and you have some birch, some oak, some willow. Suddenly you get movement, insects, little animals moving around. So we just have to, you know, we have to live in a symbiotic relationship with our planet. And that's the way it should be. Now, uh, we saw in the, the time of the famine, mm. uh, the potato blight that came in, um, unexpected, but it was something that they would get from time to time. And we still get blight warnings on the weather forecast. Yeah. Um, will changing climate bring new diseases? Absolutely. Yeah, it will bring new diseases. And, you know, we've seen it this summer, just taking this summer, it, it was a strange one. One of the wettest Februaries we've ever had. We had mm. drought in uh, May and June. We could have done with water in May and June. Yeah. In July, the wettest July on record, we would have got away with drought. In July, what we found in the garden was a lot of fungal disease. You know, humidity, especially on our roses, we had bad downy mildew, which is actually a blight. Um, there is certain things you can do. You know, there's fungicides. But like I said, it's the cultural control, which is the sustainable control. It's you've got um, a disease on your plant, remove that infected part, yeah. you know, get rid of it. Don't compost it into your compost, get rid of it completely. Break the infection. And that's, you know, cultural control is the best yeah. weapon we have. And we don't uh, maybe think of it in human terms, but that's what you do. If a child in the class has measles, tell him to stay at home. Absolutely. You know, we're not too different. We're not too different from plants. You know, we're quite similar. Sometimes we need community. We need to be around each other. We need to have a diverse range of people around us, different ages, cultures, male, female. You know, plants aren't that different. They enjoy it. They like community. You get many people from all over the world visiting Paris Court because of the National Geographic accolade. Yes, yeah. And you so, want to be number one, not number three. Well, you know... Uh, <laughs> Gardeners can be competitive too. Sometimes. I mean, Versailles <laughs> is ahead of you and Kew yeah, Gardens, yeah, but yeah. that's about it. You know, two amazing gardens, but uh, we're so proud. We're so proud of what we've done, but we love to share it. You know, a garden like that, my family bought the estate in 1961 and we wanted to share this fantastic collection. I mean, some of the beech trees we have are 350 years old. You know, so you want to share this. You want people to come up. You want them to get inspiration uh, for their own gardens. We're, we're all real keen gardeners up there, so we're open to, to giving advice. Uh, we've got some great annual members in Powell's Court that we have great co um, conversations with, and they can tell us what they're seeing in their gardens. They can share information. I have a great friend that runs Kilmacurra, Seamus O'Brien. And uh, in the horticultural world, we all share. We all share information because it's all for the greater good. Yeah, you're not all trying to grow the biggest marrow no. for the garden fate. <laughs> <laughs> not that competitive, no, exactly. Uh, Alex Slasinger, head gardener at the Paris Court Estate. I've been there. A terrific place to visit. Alex, thank you very much you're for very joining welcome. us on the programme today. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.